This month marks the 25-year anniversary of the McDonald's hot coffee jury verdict. To this day, the Stella Liebeck case spurs outrage about the perceived brokenness of our legal system. But what if I told you the story you know about the McDonald's coffee case isn't what actually happened? The case has been dragged through several misrepresentations, from a Seinfeld episode to late-night talk shows, but the truth is, Mrs. Liebeck had a really good case. The case was one of those moments in law that PI attorneys hope for. It had a good and honest client, it had injuries and medical bills, there was negligence, and there was science to back it up. I'm your host, Keja Conway. Welcome to this special episode of The Verdict. I think probably that McDonald's case was one of the worst and first really major assaults on trial lawyers for handling cases. And That's attorney Reed Morgan. He's of counsel here at the Carlson Law Firm. And I handle general tort cases, maritime and products liability, and more specifically to uh, handling cases that involve people that have become ill with cancer from exposure to various cancer-causing agents. But prior to all that, you've become the subject of textbooks all over the country um, because you handled the hot coffee case. Can you tell us who you were at the time that you accepted the case? Back in the, in the, the time frame we're talking about, the early 90s, I had been working with another plaintiff lawyer before I established my own firm, and a lady came in that had a, a hot coffee spill on her upper thigh from uh, McDonald's coffee spilling on her. So I had filed that claim and handled it and had gotten some preliminary information about the seriousness of the burn through the thermal conduction of, of the spilled liquid into the skin, but I didn't, I didn't have nearly the amount of knowledge that I gained later. But because I had handled that case, there was a forensic artist that worked with our law firm that knew I'd done it. And he and his wife moved out to Santa Fe, New Mexico. His wife was a legal assistant, and uh, Stella Liebeck and her daughter came into that law office looking for help. And um, they really weren't set up to handle a, a, a personal injury case like that that involved a hot liquid spill. So as the story goes, um, this forensic artist's wife, who was a legal assistant to went home and told her husband, and, and his name is Jerry, he called me and said, hey, this gal out here got really bad burns from hot coffee. I know you did one. Would you like to talk to her and see if you can help her? So that's what we did. My name is Ellen, and I'm 25. Ellen, do you know about the McDonald's hot coffee case? Um, I've seen it a couple times online. I believe an old lady had spilled coffee on herself and then tried to sue McDonald's over it. Do you think that she was wrong in her actions? I mean, I know that she did get burned, but is it maybe something that she took a little too far? Ellen is 25, which means that she's the same age as this jury verdict. So she's grown up in a world where the hot coffee case has always been the leading example of frivolous lawsuits in America. But the real story of Mrs. Liebeck is this. Stella Liebeck was a 79-year-old woman from Albuquerque, New Mexico. On February 27, 1992, her grandson drove her to the local McDonald's where she ordered a 49-cent cup of coffee from the drive through window. Her grandson parked the car to allow Mrs. Liebeck to add cream and sugar to her coffee. 
But the 1989 Ford Probe Mrs. Liebeck and her grandson were in didn't have cup holders. So Mrs. Liebeck did a reasonable action and placed the cup between her knees to remove the lid and add her cream and sugar. As she did so, the entire cup of coffee spilled on her lap. The cotton pants she was wearing absorbed the hot liquid and held it against her skin. Her thighs, buttocks, and groin were scalded by the 180 to 190 degree coffee. The elderly woman suffered third degree burns in her pelvic region and required skin grafts. What did you think when you heard Mrs. Liebeck's case? I thought at the time that whenever you can see a scenario like this where somebody who's using a consumer product in in their they're doing something reasonable, it's foreseeable that you're gonna you're gonna spill a liquid, whether it's a cold liquid or a hot liquid, and you wind up with uh, deep third degree burns and skin grafts, that there's gotta be a better way for society to to be functioning than buying drinks that are that scalding hot. So I started to investigate why is it that uh, we're seeing so many hot coffee spills with McDonald's. I, I knew there was a long history from the prior case. And uh, talked to a, a PhD over at University of Texas, Dr. Ken Diller, who had studied this phenomena for years, how fast does skin burn or freeze? And there was a lot of literature on it that dated all the way back into World War II. According to Dr. Diller's research, at 190 degrees, it takes less than three seconds to burn your skin. And that's just from a spill. In the case of Mrs. Liebeck, her cotton sweatpants held the scalding liquid against her skin, furthering her burns. And so I learned that it was scientifically proven. You, it's a time temperature ratio, how, how much temperature was in the liquid and for what duration of time, and then the tables will tell you how fast average skin burns. So once I saw that at the temperature that uh, the coffee was being kept in the decanter at McDonald's, I knew why she had gotten such deep burns because back then they were, they were selling their coffee between 185 and 195 degrees Fahrenheit, which will cause third degree burns even through clothing much faster than you would ever be able to get the liquid off, like less than probably three seconds. Now, that really was the essence of the case. Can you talk about what their argument for serving it at 185 to 195 degrees was? I think that uh, the argument of the, of the industry is that people want their coffee really hot, and I believe that the entire beverage industry then and today is such that a large percentage of it's sold into automobiles where people are going to be traveling and they may want to sip on their coffee you know, for half an hour, 45 minutes without it getting cold. And so they sell it really, really hot so they can do that. The problem is that obviously if you're in a moving vehicle instead of at a table, the probability of something really bad going wrong spilling it is much greater because you can't, you can't even jump up. I guess I'm kind of confused here because like, wouldn't it burn your mouth too if it's that hot? Yes, if you were to sit through depositions of people in industry, they would tell you that they believe people just want to basically smell the aroma and, uh, and barely touch the liquid to their lips. But the truth is, if you take a 195 degree liquid 
and take any quantity at all into your mouth, you're going to burn your lips. You're, you're going to have a burn on them. So what was the ideal temperature that McDonald's should have kept their coffee? Oh, there's a big debate about it. I mean, if <clears throat> it's like every other industry. There's industry trade groups that promulgate information. The consumer reference studies that have been done by third parties that don't have any, any dog in the hunt, so to speak, I think one of them was University of California at, at Davis. And my recollection is that the average consumer wants the hot beverage at between 145 and 155 degrees. So at that temperature, if you were to spill 155 degree liquid on your bare skin like you're wearing shorts, you would get a second degree burn really fast, but you would not get a third degree burn. On the other hand, if you had clothing on, you wouldn't even get a a second degree burn, it'd probably be a first degree burn. So that's an important statistic. Why would you want to sell something so hot that people cannot consume it, don't want it that hot, and causes serious burns? Reed and his team decided to argue Mrs. Liebeck's case from a product's liability standpoint. This theory of law essentially states that if the average consumer with the ordinary understanding of risk and harm doesn't know how serious the risk of harm can be, then it's a defective product. We were not out for getting a huge settlement or, or a huge verdict. Originally, we were trying to negotiate a reasonable settlement for the medical expenses and, and, and a relatively small figure, you know, under $100,000. And then when we couldn't settle it, we went to trial on it. But uh, I always viewed it as a high-risk case because it was sort of a pioneer case. Yeah. Why is that? Well, because the natural, you know, people make decisions on, on uh, intuition. And intuition is based on life's experience. And life's experience is if you spill a hot liquid on yourself, it's your fault. Was the temperature of the coffee an unforeseeable risk? The simple answer is yes. And not just for Mrs. Liebeck, but for all consumers. Basically, it's like this. Businesses have a responsibility to serve products that are safe. This includes food and beverages. When you buy a cup of coffee from your local gas station, McDonald's, Starbucks, or wherever, you don't expect it to land you in the hospital. And you certainly don't expect it to require skin grafts should you spill some. So the focus of the case became the product's liability theory because I knew from talking to people and talking to industry experts, the ordinary consumer with ordinary knowledge of hot coffee does not understand they can get a third degree burn through spilling it on themselves. So the, the focus had to be on the product i.e. is the product effective or not, which brings you to the question, does the ordinary consumer know yes or no, that, that you can obtain this type of injury from this product? And the answer was no. So that's where we were. Reed and his team decided to argue Mrs. Liebeck's case from a product's liability standpoint. This theory of law essentially states that if the average consumer with the ordinary understanding of risk and harm doesn't know how serious the risk of harm can be, then it's a defective product. Why do you think the case garnered the attention that it did? I believe it was a political hot potato where the conservatives in Congress wanted to use it as an example of, of why the tort system was out of control so that they could use this case. And there was another case not too long after that where a, uh, 
an individual was in a phone booth and got run over, and serious injuries ensued the telephone company for, for the phone booth being in the wrong place. And so they use that as examples, which, again, your intuition says, yeah, that sounds outrageous. But when you start saying, well, maybe there's more to it, and let's look at the facts and look at what's going on, as with the hot coffee I've talked about, the phone booth case was one where other people had been run over through that phone booth prior to that, and the telephone company left it next to the street where if somebody was in there, they could be a victim. So mm-hmm. more to it. Given what you just said, which was that the politicians and the media just kind of took this case and made it into something that it wasn't, which is you know this whole thing about right. frivolous lawsuits. Right. Was there a point where you thought you needed to get the narrative of what this case was about back? Oh, yeah. we. Um, I mean, I realized that, that it was being, ironically, you know, it was, they were calling the case uh, lawsuit abuse. And, and what the, the media was doing, the conservative media, was, um, was using information abuse because they weren't telling the backstory, which was their science that will tell you this is an unreasonably dangerous product because the ordinary consumer doesn't foresee this risk of harm. And secondly, the risk of harm outweighs the usefulness of the product. The testimony in any hot coffee spill case would be if you try to pour 185 to 195 degree liquid down your throat, you're going to scald your throat and get a serious burn in your throat. So what's the usefulness of it? To let it sit in a cup for a long time is the only thing. And that's that's fine if if you know the risk of harm and want to take it, but if you're an innocent consumer, no. Plus, it, a lot of children got burned this way, too. With uh, Even to this day, people would be in a, a restaurant, and if the coffee is, is extremely hot like that, over 175 degrees, or even 175, gets knocked over on a child, a young infant, then you've got a serious problem. Looking back, how do you feel about the case? I think the case... Uh, a, was, was one that was necessary to bring to the attention of the industry that the product was, was very dangerous. I believe because the truth has started to come out about the case, that people see how the media can seize on something and give out inf- misinformation that causes a lot of uh, havoc and chaos in the understanding of what's going on in lawsuits. And I think it's brought to the forefront f- for lawyers that if they have a case, that gets into the news, then they need to come forward quickly and, and set the record straight. I think probably that McDonald's case was one of the worst and first really major assaults on trial lawyers for handling cases. And I wish I had had the awareness then that I have now, you know, of, of what needed to be done to stop it. This kind of answers my next question, which is what do you wish you had known? Oh, I think probably back then, if I had to to redo it, I would have been more accepting of anybody that wanted to to do a television interview so I could get the truth out about the science behind it and what really happened. And, um, you know, as as you see things spin out of control like that did, you you come to the realization that, uh, yeah, it would have been a good thing. Even 25 years later, people still have really strong opinions about Mrs. Liebeck's case. 
In fact, if you Google hot coffee today, there are still plenty of commenters out there with strong opinions about who Mrs. Liebeck was as a person. Some people believe that maybe she used the money to fund her grandchildren's education. And some people believe that she was just grabbing for money. In reality, her children say the elderly woman used the money for end-of-life care. I, I see time and again in the cases we handle now that there is a uh, there, there are many times that the defense is using misdirection and misinformation and half-truths on defending cases. And instead of looking at a case and saying, okay, we see what happened and we want to make this right, they look at it and they say, we see what happened and we want to win at any cost. And so as I've gotten older and, and handled hundreds of more cases, I've come to the uh, point in my life where I'll do anything within reason that's within the rules, level playing field for both sides to get the truth out. Visit us at carlsonattorneys.com to read more information about the McDonald's hot coffee case. We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast content. And don't forget to subscribe and recommend us to your friends. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching The Carlson Law Firm. As always, if you're in need of a personal injury attorney, give us a call at 1-800-359-5690. We're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We care, and we can help.